This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. As Tim has said, we're going to be looking at Psalm 9, which can be found on page 427 of the Bibles in the pews. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumbled and perished before you. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemies have vanished in everlasting ruins. Their cities you have rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the peoples. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See what I suffer from those who hate me. You are the one who lifts me up from the gates of death so that I may recount, recount all your praises. And in the gates of daughter Zion, rejoice in your deliverance. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid has their own foot been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall depart to Sheol, to all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor perish forever. Rise up, O Lord, do not let mortals prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are only human. Hear the word of the Lord. Our second reading is the Gospel, Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning at verse 14 to verse 26. Verse 14. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the one who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Others, to test him, kept demanding from him a sign from heaven. But Jesus knew what they were thinking 
and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself becomes a desert, and a house falls on house. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out the demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I cast out the demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your exorcists cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out the demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his castle, his property is safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away his armour in which he trusted and divides his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Next pericope, verse 24. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions, looking for a resting place. But not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it returns, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and live there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. So what has God got to say to us in this unprecedented, well, perhaps in our experience, unprecedented time? Well, I've got five things. Firstly, this is serious. The strong man is rampant. Let me look you in the eye and say to you, there is no doubt that this is serious. This is no time for denialism or for objecting to proper scientific opinion or for a blasé attitude, nor is it a time for saying everything's going to be all right when we really don't know what the future holds. The wave of the coronavirus is poised to crash upon us here in Australia with full force. And let's be clear about that. It's not as lethal as the Black Death or as smallpox or AIDS, but people will die and have already died even here in Australia. The economic impact of the shutdown will cause people to lose their jobs and face financial hardship. Our children will remember this year as the year of the plague. 
Now, Jesus told us to keep watch and to watch for signs of the times, to notice what was going around on in the world around us. And as his disciples then, it's important for us to be alert. It would be wrong for us to ignore expert advice about what is happening and about what is most likely going to come to pass. And the advice at the moment is that that's not good. There is a diabolical force at loose in the world. In our scripture passage today, Jesus likened the evil one to a strong man. There's no doubt that he is strong. We forget that, we human beings, and it takes something like this to remind us. We minimise the danger. We assure ourselves that everything will work out in the end or that only bad things, that bad things only happen to bad people or, as I've heard sometimes, that bad things really only happen in bad countries. We trust in our technology to save us. All the while, evil runs amok. The stampede to the toilet paper aisles is just the beginning, a symptom of our fear and our selfishness when it comes down to it, when the chips are down. The coronavirus, then, is not just a biological threat to our way of life. It threatens you and me existentially and socially. It asks us the question, in what, in whom do you trust? So that's the first thing I think we need to hear. This is serious. The strong man is powerful. But the second thing we need to hear is do not be afraid, for there is one stronger than the strong man. The point of Jesus' parable was to say that he had defeated the evil one. He had won a decisive conquest over sin and evil, death and destruction. People in the story we heard had accused him of being in league with Satan, of casting out Satan by the power of Satan. He must be demonic. He must be possessed. That's why he can tell the demons to do what they do. But Jesus uncovered the twisted logic of this. If he's casting out demons, and no one disputed that he was, notice, no one, no one challenged that, then how could he be doing that by the power of Beelzebul? which was a Jewish nickname for the evil one, which literally means the Lord of the Flies, which is the title of that great book that we all studied in school. If that's the case, if Jesus is casting out demons by the power of the devil, then Satan is divided and cannot stand. But there was another explanation, and Jesus says this in verse 20. He says, if it's by the finger of God that I cast out the demons, well then... The kingdom of God has come to you. Jesus confronted chaos and darkness, disease and possession, and he defeated it. However rampant evil is on the face of the earth, know that he is more powerful than it is. He has tied up the strong man. The strong man, Jesus pictures him as sitting secure in his castle, exulting in his own strength, trusting in his armour to protect him. And yet, Jesus says, I have outgunned and outclassed him. The spiritual power at work in Jesus is simply a greater force than this virus and the havoc it will wreak. The kingdom of God has come to us. In Jesus. 
And so, although we should be real and realistic about the power of corona, we should not fear it. Do not be afraid, for the Lord is with us, and in his hands are the power of life and death. To him we can entrust our very selves. Now, I should be absolutely clear here, because I've heard some church leaders say, well, you're protected by Jesus. If you're a Christian, you won't get the coronavirus. And I have to say, this is a blasphemous, unbiblical, and sub... Am I being over the top? You're getting the picture? Sub-Christian declaration. It is a promise they have no right to make. And it's disgraceful. Now, I'm not making that promise here. That's not what I'm saying by do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for on the cross Jesus came and overcame sin and evil at the deepest level and triumphed over even death itself. And that means no matter what the virus throws at us or what other people throw at us or the circumstances throw at us, we have safety in God. We are secure in him. Because of Jesus, we know not just the power but the love of God that transcends death itself. Perfect love, as John says in his first letter, drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. And there was no more perfect love than the love of God we've experienced in the cross of Jesus Christ, God's Son, who died there, taking our sins upon himself, turning aside and defeating the power of evil and the strength of death. That is a love strong as death. And this is why what we are going to do as a church, whatever that might be, is not driven by fear, but comes out of love. We are the followers of the Good Samaritan, who we heard about just a couple of weeks ago. We are those who are called, above all, to love our neighbours as ourselves. And we are called to this love because it is the love of God that has been poured out into our hearts. It is the love we bask in. It is the love we ourselves know in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to underestimate how hard this next period is going to be. And I don't want to underestimate our fears. It's only natural for us to be afraid. I, I personally, I don't like the prospect of my way of life being compromised, of changing. I don't like the prospect of suffering coming to my friends, my family, and to my community. Now, I don't know if you know, but we've recently taken in a second cat to add to our first one called Charlie. Uh, this one's called Ziggy. And uh, Ziggy is uh, still a little bit nervous of me because apparently I'm big and scary. So when I'm in a room that he's in, I can see him checking for all the possible exits. And if I move suddenly, he disappears. It will take some time for him to learn to trust me, to learn that I love him, that I quite like him being around, and so that he doesn't operate purely out of fear. He needs every reminder that he is safe. And we, you and I, need every reminder that in Jesus Christ we are safe, we have ultimate security. This does not mean we are immune from the virus. But it means that even should the virus do its worst, the virus will not have the last word. It does not have the last word in human life. 
Those who killed Jesus did not have the last word. The last word belongs to him. An American writer I know called Andy Crouch says this. I read this just yesterday. He says, The best definition I've heard of anxiety is imagining the future without Jesus in it. Well, that makes us anxious, doesn't it? When we realise that Jesus is present today and will be present tomorrow, we can be set free from worry. We need to teach and practice the Christian disciplines of prayer, praise, petition and lament that help us to see Jesus in our sufferings, both real and anticipated, and place our trust in him. Do you imagine the future and not see Jesus in it? For Jesus Christ is the Lord of history. In his hand are all things. He is, as the book of Revelation says, the Alpha and the Omega. So put your trust in him and be freed. Know his love so that you are freed to love. So what are we, the followers of Jesus there, knowing this love, to do in days like these? Well, these are the last three of my points. The first thing we're going to do is love one another. The second thing we're going to do is serve our city. And the third thing we're going to do is share Christ. So firstly, we're going to love one another. And that's not negotiable. That's what we do. So how are we going to do that? Well, first of all, we're going to love one another by taking every precaution we can to protect others from infection. Love of our neighbour asks us to do what we can to contain the spread of coronavirus. Back in the 16th century, in the middle of the Reformation, in the, in the middle of an episode of the plague, a pastor wrote to the great, the great reformer, Martin Luther, uh, asking him, what should I do? And Martin Luther said, well, this is what I would do. In a letter back, he said this, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us, so prayer, and then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. He said, this is love of neighbour in the time of plague. And I love his attitude. You might not feel unwell right now. You might not feel concerned. But people will suffer and die if we are negligent. It might be a massive inconvenience to you that we change the way we go about things. It might cause you some grief. It's really difficult to break a loved habit. But it's not about you or me. It's about others. But we also have a great chance to love one another in a more positive sense right now. So let's stay connected. We're still a community of God's people, so let's still be a community. Let's stay connected by phone, by social media. Let's make sure that people are not left behind without things they need. Let's take care of one another, making the home visit, taking their prepared meal, sending that text message just saying, are you all right? Haven't heard from you for a while. How's things going? There will be those among us who are doing it really tough financially during this time as well. Can we have our ears and eyes open to one another? And let us pray for one another. Let this time in which we may have some enforced isolation and quiet be a time of prayer in which we commend one another to God. 
I want us here at St Mark's to learn a deeper discipleship through this experience, through being a community of God's people in what the days ahead will bring, and to have a richer sense of belonging to one another, to find God's surprising grace in the actions of one another, in the loving actions that we show to one another. So we're going to love one another. We're also going to serve our city because the love does not just stop here. Now, this sounds a little bit more grandiose than it need be. Let's remember again the example of the Good Samaritan, simply caring for the man in front of him who was in need, whoever he was. How can we be ready for the needs of those around us? Do we know of people in our street or in our area that are shut in, who have needs, who have run out of toilet paper perhaps? Are there people who are stuck with kids at home for an extended period? How can we help them? And there will be people here who have better ideas of ways to do that than I do. Let's share those ideas. Some friends of mine are creating a Facebook group for their street. Others are printing out cards, going around and sticking them in letterboxes, just saying, I'm here to help. This is my contact details. If you want any help, if you need some shopping done, if you need whatever it is, let me know. Could this be a time of connecting with our neighbours, of being those who connect our neighbours to one another? Uh, How unlike the sort of anonymous city of Sydney in which we live. Now, you and I, or at least our forebears, have had some practice at this already. A century ago, during the great influenza epidemic of 1919, St Mark's met for a few weeks, it actually was closed down for a couple of weeks, then it met for a few weeks in the open air, and then they came back to church, though people were forced to, to wear masks for quite some time. They met inside with people wearing masks and the services only went for for half an hour. But someone sent me a story from the Herald, the Sydney Morning Herald of 1919. And it says this, um, writes a Sydney correspondent, and this is a letter, this is a quote from a letter that someone sent in. In the parish of St Mark's, Church of England, Darling Point, there has not been a single death from pneumonic influenza amongst the poor. The hard-worked rector and curate, some things don't change, the Reverend Howard Lee, oh, you laugh, uh, the Reverend Howard Lee and the Reverend Wiseman and the doctors put this down to the devotion of the so-called idle rich. Most of the, those people have gone into the homes of the poor and worked for hours on end, washing babies and doing all sorts of work. One woman was lying on a mattress, her bed having been taken from under her by some profiteer or other. She was given a new bed and has overcome the disease. I don't think we'll be doing exactly the same. I I can't imagine us going to to wash a baby um, or replace someone's bed. That mightn't be what we're called upon to do. But wouldn't it be great to have the same reputation in 2020 that we had in 1919? So let's love one another, let us serve our city, and lastly, in this coming season, you and I will have a great opportunity to share Christ. Back in 1919, my predecessor, Howard Lee, wrote to the parishioners of St Mark's these words. He said, Surely to thoughtful people, the masked travellers, the closed theatres, the many signs of broken routine, not to mention the frequent appearance of the ambulance in our streets, 
All of these must have their message. Surely God is calling us to stillness in our national life. I love that. Surely God is calling us to stillness in our national life in order that we may know him. I feel convinced that he sends us this hour of trial in order that we may turn to him. As then, so now. God has sent this this moment for a purpose. It is one of his jabs, one of his reminders to us that we need to depend on him. This is a rare moment for us as a society to realize how fragile human life is and how dependent we are on God for everything good. Not only might people now have more time to think, but they'll have more reasons to think about meaning and purpose in human life. So let us be ready. Let us be ready to point to Jesus Christ, to share the message of perfect love which drives out fear. Let's share him as the one in whom we can trust, as the one in whom we can put our hope. Let's offer him as the source of the love we know, showing him in the love we give. So as I close, I'd like us to turn to Paul's Paul's great words that he wrote to the Philippians. Do not worry about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With that we should say, Amen. Thanks for listening please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.